what was important about the first Earth Day? Um, what things did this accomplish? Um, Gaylord Nelson is the founder of Earth Day. He was a governor and then later a senator of Wisconsin. Um, when he was senator, he was, this was an idea that he developed. He worked with uh, Dennis Hayes, who was a social activist and also um, ecology professor Morton Herbert or Hebert. And they worked together to create what became the phenomenon of the first Earth Day. They based this off of teach-ins that were already happening at universities around the country that were, um, so it was a spin-off of the ones that had been happening regarding um, Vietnam. So these were student protests that were happening. And that was such an effective model that they, um, that's where they started with. So they originally started this as uh, teach-in and they reached out to over 2,000 um, colleges and universities across the country there were over 10,000 public schools involved, and that amounted to 20 million Americans who uh, participated in that first Earth Day. Who went, so in 1970, at that time, that was 10% of the American population, which is not insignificant. Um, what came out of the first Earth Day was creating a political environment that um, allowed for the formation and creation of the Environmental Protection Agency in the United States. That was something that um, later in 1970, uh, President Nixon um, uh, drafted and, and approved the creation of that. Also came out of that was the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, what we know as NOAA, N-O-A-A, um, also developed its roots out of this first Earth Day. Um, environmental laws that we saw happen uh, later in um, 1970, the National Environmental Education Act, the Occupational Safety and Health Act, and the Clean Air Act. Clean Water Act came later in 1972, and the Endangered Species Act was in, I believe, 1973, which, and that was followed by the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act. So all of these things came out of just that first um, event of Earth Day. And the significance in this also was that this was the first time a, a large number of individual advocacy groups um, felt unified and able to come together for one cause. So there were all, all kinds of organizations that were already um, protesting and running advocacy for uh, oil spills that had been recent air pollution from factories and power plants, water and land pollution from toxic waste, uh, sewage, littering, uh, loss of land and a decline in wildlife because of pollution from uh, littering and from the freeways. Um, initial um, specific triggers, um, in addition to just the enormity of environmental uh, change that had been happening, uh, in 19, June of 1969, the Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga River in Ohio caught fire. The water itself actually caught fire several times between 1936 and 1969, actually. Um, and in January, there was a significant, a, a large oil spill off the coast of Santa Barbara. Um, that All of that coupled with uh, the endangered, Bald Eagle being moved to the endangered list due to use of DDT 
um, and everything else. It was just kind of a snowball effect, and uh, they're on on the coming on the heels of protests for Vietnam it was just an overwhelm, and this was a unified cause that everyone could get behind. So politically, economically, socially, everyone joined into this. There were Democrats and Republicans. There were rich and poor, urban and rural, or urban and farmers, business leaders and labor leaders. All could see a need for, for protecting the environment and could find a reason to come together and work together. So there were rallies, there were teach-ins, there were protests, there were organized mass cleanups of communities. And this is, so all of what we accomplished in that came to, because people from different sides all came together to work together for a common cause. So what's, what has been happening since? So we, we typically, or in, in the beginning, um, Earth Day was revisited on the decades, really, the, the big, the 10-year um, the, the mark and the 20-year mark Gaylord Nelson was interviewed um, frequently for television and print media. Um, they looked back to see what had developed or changed in environmental justice and in and ecological work. And in somewhere around 1995, they decided that to be more effective and sustainable, it would be beneficial to, for it to be an annual event. So the Earth Day Network was organized as an overarching organization that would take care of promoting Earth Day annually. And so that's where we are at now. Um, in 1990, Earth Day 20, the 20th anniversary, we, they had reached, gone from the, um, the 10% of the U.S. population, it reached to a global level now, and there were 200 million people that were involved in 141 countries. In um, Earth Day 2000, that they began leveraging the internet and they used the power of connection like we are having right now, where people from across the, the globe could interact together um, in the moment and really stay, bring some real leverage to uh, what was being accomplished. And then in 2010, the Earth Day Network connected with 75,000 partners. So 75,000 people and organizations working toward the improvement of the environment in 192 countries. These are, so these are partner organizations that they have connected with in the U.S. and other countries. Out of um, Earth Day 2000 also came the Billion Acts of Green. Billion Acts of Green is when people during Earth Day connect online and talk about what they are doing to improve the, the um, situation in their hometown, in um, their country, globally. So the goal is to reach a billion um, acts, a billion individual actions um, that people are doing to help improve the environment. Also, out of 2010 came the Canopy Project. Canopy Project sponsors, it's also under the auspices of the Earth Day Network and sponsors planting trees to help um, with against global warming. And the goal for 2020 this year, over the course of the whole year, is they're hoping to plant 7.8 billion trees, which would represent one for each person on Earth. So those are 
all of the things that have happened, or not all of, not limited to, but those are a, a view of things that have happened through the Earth Day movement since 1970. And where are we now? So we're kind of a smattering of good and bad. So we're looking at, we're still looking at um, symptoms of climate change. And, but we're also looking at people working towards sustainable ecosystems, um, fighting pollution, things like that. So we're, we're making some changes, but we still have so much to do. We're not quite there yet. So now, why does this matter? Why does fighting for climate justice matter? So aside from the obvious, um, a, a pin that I saw in a picture from the 1970s, um, it's our planet but, and we can't get off. So despite that, and in addition to that, which is the obvious, why does it matter? Um, so this image here, um, the three circles stacked and overlapping like a Venn diagram is representing earth, people, and equity. This is a mod model that is commonly today known as the foundation, uh, foundational ethics of permaculture design, but it's also found in many traditional societies. So these ethics in permaculture movement were distilled from researching communities and cultures that live in a relative balance with their environment and have been in existence for much longer than recent civilizations have. So, what this shows is with a balance of, of caring for the earth, caring for people, and fair share or creating equity in the best way that we can. This overlap in the middle is what we are striving for. And where we find that is that this is an climate justice work is intersectional and universal work. We know that the people most impacted by the effects of climate change are our most marginalized with um, economically challenged, socially diverse, people of different, uh, differing abilities, uh, people of different cultures, gender and gender diversity, indigenous communities, immigrant populations, all of these groups and more have significant challenges to being able to relocate from somewhere that has been devastated by floods or rainforest fires. Um, they have uh, either they just culturally are tied to a location, they don't have the economic means to move or the social support to be able to relocate, and they already live on edges and margins of um, where society um, pushes at their identities and their representations. So if we go back and think about how much of an impact working together across our diversity the first Earth Day, how much of a difference that made. It makes me think of this picture down here um, of ants building a bridge from a leaf to a rock and how there is strength in unity when we come together. And I'm reminded of a quote from Leela Watson, who is an um, indigenous uh, activist, Aboriginal activist and academic. And this was crafted by and for a lot of Aboriginal activist groups that she worked with in Australia. And the quote is, if you have come to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together.
so in addition to working together for our common, um, her common goal, um, another thing that, another reason for this is that nature is actually healing for us. So it, it, there's a lot of studies, um, especially right now, the popular studies coming out of uh, Japan through the Japanese um, uh, spiritual practice of forest bathing. And that's becoming a, uh, a fad niche over here in the United States. But what's come out of that is there's been actual scientific and medical studies attached to forest bathing in Japan. And they have found that exposure to nature in its, um, in its wildness, in its originality, is, reduces fear and anger. Uh, it improves our blood pressure and our heart rate, decreases the stress hormone production. It improves focus and attention, improves metabolic and adrenal function. And it can reduce depression and anxiety. This is the depression and anxiety that we would feel on a normal, um, you know, just an average general occurrence. It's not necessarily for, I don't mean for people who have a clinical diagnosis. Um, I would still recommend that you work in connection with your physician or your doctor. But um, it, even, even with that, spending some time outside will help to mitigate some of that um, and so, yeah. Um, so these are the things that we are experiencing right now, though, in our situation, in our um, our social distancing, our isolation that we're in. Is some of the side effects that I heard on the news uh, a news article yesterday or the day before, um, and was lifted up in uh, um, our joys and concerns sharing that um, that migraines and headaches. Um, metabolic challenges, um, stress, and heart rate and blood pressure issues are all things that are presenting for people right now in this state of isolation. So getting outside is actually a way for us to getting outside, spending time walking, or um, just experiencing nature near us in our own yard. If we can go to a park or if you can get to a more remote hiking location, um, just to walk on some some easy hiking trails or just to have maybe a window open um, and get some fresh air. All of these are ways that we can help improve the situation that we are in immediately, as well as working to improve at the planet and where we live. I have this quote here from Frederick Law Olmsted, if man is not meant to live by bread alone, what is better worth doing than the planting of trees? So we know from climate change studies and climate justice work that there are varying opinions and each side has their own experts um, as to whether or not we can reverse the damage that's already been done to our planet or if perhaps we are looking at something closer to a mitigation or adaptation. Whatever that becomes or whatever that looks like down the road for us, we must remember that we are enmeshed in this challenge, whether we want to be or not. It is not just the planet that we work to save. It is as well our own liberation and salvation. <laughs>